This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. And welcome to another episode of MCU and me. As always, I'm Paul Casey, and today I'm joined by... Uh, My name is Tim Murray, so it's MCU and me and me also. (laughs) So, um, if I've been on Paul and all for, uh, what, three episodes? Three? Uh, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be my fourth time chatting with uh paul over here paul is a mod in my stream at twitch.tv slash behemoth pineapples hashtag shameless plug <laughs> yeah this is the first time you're on a non paul and all podcast so that's a, a bit on the strange side yeah i'm not gonna be on the wrestling one because i i'm not a, a wrestling guy and i was told i can't be on lost until i watch it a second time so Well, I'm 99% sure by the time this goes out, Lost is over, and pretty much uh, we declared that Wrestling Renegades is on an indefinite hiatus. So, yeah. Is Is that because of Corona? No, no, no. We decided this. We decided that many months ago when oh. all of our personal lives got to be a little too much. And ironically, it came just as a quick side note, because I know people don't necessarily care, but it came right at the time when another major wrestling company popped up. So mm. it would have been like the prime time to have a show. Right. But just due to various personal things amongst myself and my co-hosts, uh, it it just became a little too much to sort of focus enough time to watch the stuff and then get together to actually talk about it for, you know, an hour or two every week. And it's uh, just became a little too difficult. So we never say never. And that's actually a, a concept in the wrestling business. Never say never. But right now it's, it's on an indefinite hiatus, but That's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So as is standard on pretty much all shows that I do like this, I got to ask the basic question, how, when, why, all those sorts of things, did you get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Tim? So I am not 100% sure about this. But I'm pretty sure this was my first MCU movie that I saw in theaters. I didn't. I got into the MCU late. I'm not a huge. I wasn't when I was younger a comic book kid. I never read a comic book or anything like that. I only started doing that recently after the MCU, and I'm like, oh shit, this is some good stories. I want to read more about it. I want to learn more about it and stuff like that. So once I started watching the movies and stuff like that, it was awesome. The first one that I watched was Iron Man. And then I was hooked instantly from that. And then, like I said, I'm pretty sure this was the first one I saw in theaters. Okay. So this one that he's referring to, we're going to be, of course, discussing Captain America, the first Avenger. And I was fairly certain just based on our conversations that you were 
uh, a Marvel uh, cinematic universe person because when I, and so then when I was putting together sort of the list of people that I wanted for, you know, sort of phase one of all this stuff, I, I reached out and you were pretty excited to talk about Captain America. I mean, other than the fact that this being the first one you would have seen in theaters, is there another reason you're particularly drawn to that character or is he, is he your favorite? Is he not your favorite? He's honestly not my favorite. I'm currently sitting in, in an Iron Man gaming chair. So Iron Man's my homeboy. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. obviously killed it. But my second Cap, Captain America, and of course it, it's Captain America. You know, he is the quintessential Avenger. He's always been the first Avenger. So when you were like, do you want to talk about Captain America, the first Avenger? I jumped at the opportunity. Because okay. like I said, this is the first movie that I saw in theaters for the MCU too. So... Now that I'm thinking back on it, I didn't see any other ones in theaters because I remember I went to go see this one and I'm like, this is dope. And it got me hyped up for the Avengers movie. So, yeah, I was like, absolutely. And also, it has one of my favorite actors in general in this movie in Hugo Weaving. So that's another reason why. OK, see, that's that's interesting, because as of this recording, I just got done watching the film again about say 20 minutes before we started this and um I, all i kept thinking was about you know hugo weaving plays the red skull and uh the fact that you know we don't necessarily want to get too spoilery here but uh there is a, another instance of red skull but i'm 99 percent sure it's not hugo weaving because as far as I... I know he didn't have the best time working on this film no and i can confirm that it is not hugo weaving it is, um, his name is, I think, Ross Marquardt. He is from uh, the show The Walking Dead, actually. I forgot what character he plays on that, but there is a video on the interwebs of this dude doing impressions of different actors, and he is spot on with most of them, and he did a very good job pretending to be Hugo Weaving, pretending to be a German Nazi. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, it's, I think, Ross Marquardt or something like that is his name. Okay. So, yeah, Captain America, um, obviously, you know, uh, and as of this recording, you haven't heard the previous episodes to this because they haven't been published yet and whatever. But I kind of I've given sort of my thing of how I got into the to the films, which was basically um, I didn't really want to, but I'm a huge fan of Joss Whedon's work. And even upon him doing the Avengers, I still wasn't necessarily sold. But when I heard that he was going to be doing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, which took place in the universe, I was like, okay, Joss Whedon coming back to TV, being a big fan of Buffy and Firefly and things like that. I was like, okay, I kind of have to get on this train. So I went back and watched all of Phase 1 and then uh, Iron Man 3. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm I'm kind of hooked. And then from there, I, I went and you know, saw all the films in theaters and, and things like that. But um, to me, you know, and it's something that I've kind of talked about these first few episodes here is, uh, you know, with the first Iron Man movie, it was very much an origin story because he wasn't necessarily that popular of a character compared to Spider-Man, any of the X-Men, things like that. Um, and you know, incredible Hulk had been around because of the TV show in the seventies and they had tried doing movies with him. They had actually done one, of course, a few years prior, uh, directed by Ang Lee, things like that. Thor was, you know, relatively known because of the mythology and things like that. And I would argue 
Captain America sort of fits into that that same thing because he's he was known and he you know was was uh, you know the quintessential American whatever but this is still very much you know an origin story but I don't think it's as kind of on the nose in my opinion like Iron Man was I said to me at least the first Iron Man was very much a film in three parts it was the you know him in the in the desert then he comes back and has to face you know whatever he's he's uh sort of his mortality sort of thing and then uh him versus the the final you know the big bad of of that movie and then by the time the second one came it was you know we could actually have a story with him and even thor the first kind of chunk of the movie um is almost an origin and then it gets right into the into the story and i feel like this one did you know, an origin story in a really good creative way of a brief thing in the present and then the entire thing as, you know, whether you want to call it a flashback or whatever, and then at the end sort of bringing him back into the present. I, I, I really like the way that they kind of structured this story. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a really good timepiece movie too. While obviously most of the stuff that happens in this movie is based on fiction, there's a lot of like, good tie-ins to history in it with like it's just it's during world war ii the i want to say what would you say 85 percent of the movies during world war ii yeah probably yeah so it's a good timepiece movie if it's a if you want to call it a war movie it's not the best war movie because it's so fictional but it's it's a good timepiece where you could see all like the stuff like you get to see brooklyn during the 1940s in this movie and stuff like that so i enjoy like when movies go back because obviously i'm not 80 years old so i don't know what brooklyn in 1940s looks like well no but i i I like the fact that you know they they clearly did their work on it you know from a production standpoint they got you know a lot of the old-timey cars but i mean it's it's a war movie it's a i mean it's it's almost a science fiction war movie and i don't mean that like obviously there's science fiction and things but it is sort of like a a b science fiction movie that they would have had almost in the in the 50s you know like there's um you know and we're gonna kind of skim over the plot in a little bit but you know there's very much the well for them you know the the germans you know infiltrating you know an army sort of base when he becomes cap and then you know there's like um alien elements and you know certain weaponized machinery and and things like that so it's very much like you would have seen had you gone to the the theaters in you know the 40s or 50s or whatever to go see a movie it's almost a b science fiction war movie sort of thing yeah no i get that that works i i as far as a sci-fi, that's the beauty of this movie, too, is that it's not just a superhero movie. It does have that science fiction element into it, so it can reach a different audience. Because I know a lot of people don't want to see comic book movies because they're like, ah, oh, comic book movies, those are so fake and stuff like that. But they love science fiction movies. I don't get it either. But this can really tap into a different genre of people. And the thing I like is is this one, you know, and all of them whether whether you want to say the entirety of the the MCU or even just these sort of phase 1 films they're all different 
in their specific ways. If you really like more science fiction-y stuff, you can probably watch Thor and really enjoy that because that has the history, but that also has a lot of, you know, fantasy sci-fi in it. If you like just straight up science science fiction, you know, Iron Man is is good for that. You know what I mean? And this one sort yeah. of has that that war movie element to it. One of the other things I like in particular is how it's almost only because of the well the connection obviously from the the films and i believe the connection is there in the comics as well that this is almost not just a prequel to the entirety of the of the mcu but it's very much a prequel to um the incredible hulk and sort of that story of yeah hey, if i you know inject myself with whatever i can become a super soldier you know so the thing about this movie is and i'm sure we're going to get to this later but what you just said this movie has a tie into all of the other movies that were made you have iron man which is tony stark the son of howard stark who helped create captain america you have thor with the tree of life which is also where the cosmic entity like the tesseract can be told through folklore through thor and stuff like that and then the incredible hulk like you said they're trying to replicate the serum that made captain america so this film is the one that ties everything together before the big movie that ties everything in together exactly exactly and that's one of the things i like i mean i remember when i was first getting into it i saw that the title was captain america the first avenger and i was like okay it's a little on the nose but it's it's incredibly accurate for what it is because it it is not only is he the first avenger in the sense of he kind of kicks everything off but it does everything you know it all does come back to him in that in that way yeah and it because and and also like if you like read the comics is the like cap is the leader so it's fitting that everything comes back to him he's the main cog in the wheel for the avengers exactly and of course, I, I mentioned to you that I would that I would say this. I, I'd be a little remiss. We we mentioned you know Incredible Hulk and you know the science experiments. I found out recently about you. You pretty much you could become the Incredible Hulk via your job. Is that correct? So you kind of you you have like another layer on this movie. Okay, so I'm just gonna throw this out there. If I go in where because I work with gamma radiation, essentially, it's not essentially. I do work with gamma radiation. But if I go where the cobalt is, the bad stuff that like irradiates and it glows blue, I will die. There is no turning into the Hulk. I'll be cooked from my insides out. Isn't a cobalt a car? It is, and they named it after the element. Okay. So, the, okay, before I get off on a tangent, cobalt is a nuclear runoff. So when you're at a nuclear power plant, one of the runoffs that it creates is cobalt-60, which is what we use to irradiate the product. Okay. And it comes in from uh, Canada, and it comes in like when they say a pencil, if you break a pencil open, you see the lead inside of a pencil, that's how tiny these little pencils of cobalt are. They get put into the racks, and then they get lowered into the water because once cobalt hits water, it's its natural base. And one of the ways that they tested it out to show people was they scooped a cup of water and drank it because the water was fine. So once the cobalt hits water, it becomes perfectly okay to go in the water and stuff like that, and in the cell where the cobalt's kept. Okay, 
So you could so you could do it. You just have to drink water, and then that's how you become the Hulk. <laughs> no, 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 no. The water does not turn me into the Hulk. I cannot become the Hulk. See, I think with the fact that you say that, I think that's just a lack of belief Trying. and a lack of faith. Or is it a lack of Paul? Do you want me to go into work tomorrow and try to become the Hulk? Because I don't think I'm gonna be able to do any more podcasts if I do that. I was gonna say no. I I don't want you to to do that because then because I, I I need you for at least one more of these podcasts. So. At least one more. At least okay. one more. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once I do one more, then we'll try it. Perhaps we could talk. We could talk. All right. All right. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I I found that out about you recently, and I, I remember you. Said something, and it's because I was getting into these, and I had just seen uh, the Incredible Hulk maybe like a day or two before for my for my rewatch for this. I was just immediately just like gamma radiation, like <laughs> he's the he could be the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> God, if only, man. If I'm only sure you've I heard could... that a million times before as well. Yeah, no, people have said it, and I've made the joke. There's someone at my job who's probably, you know, I'm like, what would you do if like you popped out a little Incredible Hulk? You know, like, rawr, Hulk smash, like, right out of the womb. That'd be fucking hysterical. Oh, that would be pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> um, All right. So we've kind of teased it enough. Uh, do we have anything else we, before we, like, get into the, to the plot? Do we have any other background on sort of our Marvel things or anything like that? I mean, there's, you know, some production stuff, things like that, that we could uh, get into as the movie goes, but... I think we've covered everything background wise for us with Marvel, right? Yeah, no, I'm fully ready to talk about the movie. I have the trivia page up and a lot of the stuff I knew already. And there was one thing that I didn't know that I'm very, very excited to talk about because I'm very happy it didn't happen. But I'll, we'll talk about that later. All right. So why don't you uh, recap the plot of the first Marvel film you went to see in theaters? All right. So, um, the beginning of the movie is uh, these people are out in the ice uh, somewhere. I forgot the exact location, but like they find something, they find a ship, not a ship. Sorry, a plane. Tim, you're an idiot. It's a plane crash landed in the ice. So they cut it open. They hop down in there and then they find this shield that's red, white and blue. And it's got a star in the middle of it. And one dude's like, yo, what is this? And the other dude goes, oh, shit, we found something. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So then we cut back to... Oh, see, I would have thought it was perfect perfect dialogue right here. I don't think it's that's like, how they talk to It's the Marvel cinematic movies. feel. I got it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Like, oh, shit, we got some shit here. No, that's not... So, yes, you're right, Mike. My roommate just said Captain America without appreciating my language. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... So then we flash back to the 1940s. Yeah, I'm going to call it a flashback, I guess. Is it a flashback if the whole movie is a flashback? Well, okay, so you know I'm a big Lost person. So Lost features a lot of flashbacks. And there were several episodes where, uh, you know, some, it's there's the present day is almost, you know, a framing device. And many, many films and television series do that sort of thing where they, they you know, like they use it as like a wraparound sort of thing. Or, you know, they'll say... Uh, it'll be like, say, a Law and Order episode, for example, and then they'll start out and then it'll automatically cut to, you know, two days earlier or whatever. So the fact that this starts out in the present, goes to the past, and then by the end comes back to the present again, I would definitely say flashback. All right. So, yeah. So we flash back, and then you got, um, it's during World War II, 
uh, you got all these people all hyped up, you know, to join the military and go kill some Nazis. Um, and then you got this little dude, Steve Rogers. He's probably like five foot five, weighing like a buck twenty five, soaking wet. Keeps trying to join. I think he went like three times, changed where he lives so that he could try to get into the military, and they kept rejecting him. So he was like, oh, fuck this. You know, I'm going to try one one more time, four time. And then his buddy, Bucky, tries to stop him from doing it. And then they get to like a little, like not an argument, but like a disagreement with each other. And it just shows the heart that Steve Rogers has. And the doctor, who is going to perform the super soldier serum and stuff like that on him, sees it and is like, yo, this dude's dope. Let's get him. So okay. they approve them. So wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let's let's stop here for a second. So sorry, I'm excited. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh my gosh, the doctor. No, no, no. Sebastian Stan yeah, plays Bucky. Bucky. Uh, um, yeah. of course, I knew that you would probably want to say something because he's from one of your favorite shows. Uh, briefly, gonna, once yeah. upon a time. I was going to get there later, Paul. Sorry, sorry. I was just – because I was thinking as I was watching it because I remember – because I, I sort of got into Once Upon a Time, you know, a few seasons in and then I went back, you know, similar to how I seem to get into a lot of things. I wait till they're a little bit established, then get into them because I don't want to be too disappointed. You know, you start out something with, you know, at, when season one is, is on and then it gets canceled or whatever. That's I like I like things to have built up a little bit first. Um but he's there, and of course, uh, doing these Marvel films later on, uh, he would uh, he would have to forego being on Once Upon a Time. So I'm sure you hold a little bit of resentment towards him for that. But one of the bigger questions I wanted to ask you, what did you think about the effects here? Now, considering this was, oh goodness, what would this have been, 2011? So probably filmed in 2010-ish, the effect of... Uh, Steve Rogers on the little body or, you know, Chris Evans on the little body. Yeah, that it's actually really good. So like I read about, like I looked into it to see how they filmed it. And it was like some production company in LA and they performed like CGI plastic surgery or something like that is what they called it. So essentially they just shot him normally and then shrunk down the specific parts of him. It kind of, if you like, you look at that new commercial with Jason Momoa, that it's kind of like the same effect on him. Yeah. Well, I believe there was, I believe there's a, uh, a, like a person, right? Wasn't there like a stunt person for this? Yeah, there was, but I'm pretty sure they also, like, hold on. I had it up in front of, like, I literally just had it up in front of me. Um, most of the shots were done by a Los Angeles company called Lola, L-O-L-A, uh, that specializes in digital plastic surgery. The technique involves shrinking Chris Evans in all dimensions. They shot each skinny Steve scene at least four times, once like a normal scene with Evans and his fellow actors, and then once again with Evans alone in front of the screen, and then once with Evans absent so that they can shrink the... So that when they do it that way, they're easier for them to shrink him down because they had it from three different viewpoints where he's not there, where he's there by himself, and when he's there with everyone. Okay. I don't know. It's It's... Really cool, and then they also had a uh, body double mimicking uh, Evans' actions in case the second technique was required. So, like in case they couldn't get the shot perfectly with him being shrunken down, they had the second take with a stunt double, essentially. I thought I, I I don't know why I feel like a little later when he actually like lays down and and 
you know, is about to get the the serum, I think it's fine. I think when he goes uh, and, like, you see him without his shirt on, I think his head is too big. It, it's very misproportioned. Yeah. That's the only problem. But this is also 2010. Right. We're talking 10 years ago. And I, I, it still baffles my mind some of the CGI that they had in movies like this and stuff like that. Oh, I'm not saying it was bad. It was just that was the only thing I noticed, at least this time, was like, okay, wow, his head looks very, very disproportionate. Yeah. Um, And I've, of course, you know, also got to mention the fact that uh, Chris Evans was a little hesitant uh, to be in this movie because pretty much, I don't know if you're, you know, I'm not necessarily a big Chris Evans fan, but I actually just saw this on something I was watching on YouTube recently. The fact that pretty much until this movie, he was almost always kind of the, the jerk jock character in a lot of different things that he was in. And he was actually in, uh, two of the fantastic four films and he wasn't necessarily the best character in that people you know he was okay because it was kind of all they had in terms of superhero movies whatever but he wasn't necessarily that well liked and he was hesitant to even uh sign on to be in in this film so i always find that a little interesting that we almost didn't have him because he was not even sure he wanted to put himself through it i believe he's quoted as saying something along the lines of if it worked I'm screwed, and if I if it fails, I'm screwed, sort of thing. Well, he didn't say screwed, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I have stuff to talk about that when we get to, like, the trivia and stuff like that. Um, you want me to keep going with the uh, plot? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so the doctor overhears them talking, and he's like, all right, this dude's got, like, a heart of gold. He's going to be perfect for this program. So they admit him into the military, and then he goes to camp, and his... I believe it's it's Colonel is the rank for uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Yeah, Colonel Chester Phillips. Tommy Lee Jones is his colonel there. And then you got Agent Peggy Carter from uh, England is there also during all this. She's a fox, everyone. Anyway, so then they're doing all, like, the physical training and stuff like that. And, of course, Steve's not doing well because he's small. He's not physically capable of doing everything. Then they get to the one thing where they're running, and they get to this flag. And they're like, the person that can get the flag from the top of the pole gets a ride in the car back. And all the jocks, all the, like, the big muscular dudes are trying to climb up this pole. And they all give up, so they start running. And Steve goes over and just takes the pin out the bottom. The flagpole falls over. He grabs the flag, and he gets the ride back. So he's got the brain for this, too. Arguably one of my favorite move- moments in the entire movie. Because the guy specifically says, like, nobody's been able to do it in 40 years or whatever. And he does yep. it. I love that that part. It was almost like a smart-ass way of doing it, too, but it was, like, intelligent. And then, um, so then the doctor comes in, like, a week later, a few weeks later or something like that, and Tommy Lee Jones gives his recommendation for the person, which is one of the jocks, obviously, one of the big, strong, tough dudes. And then Tommy Lee Jones says, um, his name's Chester Phillips, so I'm just going to call him Tommy Lee Jones because that's Tommy Lee Jones to me, um, he says on the long lines of it's all about like uh not living in the moment but something like that and he takes a grenade pulls the pen out and throws it everyone scatters except for steve rogers who dies on the grenade himself to like shelter the blow from everyone else it was a dead grenade tommy joseph was just trying to do a test so then after that they're like all right cool so we're gonna do this uh we're gonna do this thing and all while this is happening 
like before this is happening, you have over in uh, Norway, Johann Schmidt becomes a Red Skull, is uh, trying to find the Tesseract, which is this cosmic cube, to get this power to try to make himself into a super soldier. Um, Let me tell you, this guy's a real piece of Schmidt, all right? Boo. <laughs> that that That's a boo, Paul. That's a boo. <laughs> Stick your hand out and slap it. Bad Paul. But anyway, so because he, he was working with this the the doctor that wants to turn Steve Rogers into a super soldier. He he worked with him because the doctor is from Germany. And so they worked with him and uh, it didn't work. So he thinks he's still like the chosen one for this. So he's trying to find this cosmic cube. He finds it and then so now he's like Johann Schmidt like I'm better than Hitler type of thing. He's got like that complex going to him, complex going to him. So cut back to America. Well, wait, you do, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't, you didn't mention. We only see it in the, in the little like the pins and on the front of his vehicle and stuff. But that's the beginning of like Hydra. Like oh, Hydra yeah, existed, yeah. Ex- like yeah. it existed within the thing. But like now is when he's finally starting to sort of put yeah. the pieces together of I'm gonna break away from the Nazi Hitler. regime and become even better. Yeah, yeah. So like he's like Hydra's gonna be better than anything that hitler does um and it, if you're trying to be quote unquote better than hitler you should probably check your priorities but so now we come back to america we're in brooklyn 1940s brooklyn and so they go into this like this secret place you know where they have to say uh the weather's nice out there isn't it yeah but i always carry an umbrella and that's like the code to get in and so they go down to like the basement and shit like that and they got like this this little chamber set up for scrawny ass steve rogers to get into so they put him in there then howard stark shawls up and howard stark howard stark is a pimp at this point you know he's like the quintessential playboy like oh howard stark you're so pretty stuff like that so and he's like super smart everyone loves him all the women want to be with him all the men want to be him that's the type of person howard stark is Okay, wait, wait, wait. Smart. I gotta gotta take a pause here. Sorry. Oh God. So I'm, I'm so I'm getting so excited. I apologize. I'm sorry. So okay. Now, how often um, how often do you ever uh, rewatch these these Marvel films? Uh, depends on the film. Like the Avengers movies, I rewatch those more than like the even individual ones, though. Okay. Uh, the the guy, a friend of mine, Steve, uh, actually, who I did the uh, Iron Man two episode with he specifically said in his opinion because he said anytime one of these movies comes out he always basically sets aside like a weekend now because there's so many and him and his wife rewatch uh, all of the the films and he said that to him um part of the thing that takes him out of iron man 2 is the howard stark scenes because we see a different version of him almost established here and the fact that you know the the time period that this is versus the time period we see in Iron Man 2 you know it's kind of difficult to see Dominic Cooper age into I can't remember who plays him in in Iron Man 2 but um, I can picture the guy I can't think of his name though Um, but you know he's to him that's part of the thing that uh, sort of takes him out of of Iron Man 2 so what do you think about sort of the portrayal there versus the portrayal here. You know what? I it's definitely a different type of portrayal. 
I love both aspects of it because when you see the one in Iron Man 2, he's uh, more sophisticated sounding and less cocky sounding, but he's still smart. And then when you got the one in Captain America, it's a very close parallel to how Tony Stark is in Iron Man 1. And that's why I like it. And so I think I answered your question correctly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. John Slattery, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was going to bother me. Yeah, me too. That's why I had to look it up. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, then Tony Stark's, uh, Howard Stark's there with the German uh, scientist that's going to help turn Steve Rogers into Captain America. So they put him in the chamber, they in- they inject him with the super soldier serum, and then they have to throw some type of power into it. Um, so they're throwing the power into it. They're like, oh no, something's going wrong, let's shut it down. And then you hear Steve Rogers yelling from inside, no, I can do this. And then they put power through it. Chamber opens up, and then this like hunk of a dude just pops out. Like the, the Chris Evans pops out as Chris Evans, not like the scrawny dude anymore. And homeboy worked out for this movie. Like he is ripped to shreds. He's huge and everything like that. And so then um, there's a Hydra agent there, of course, who blows up part of the thing, shoots the doctor, takes the leftover, the leftover serum and goes running. And then Steve chases the dude who's in a car on foot captures him all yeah that stuff well yeah but he doesn't he doesn't do it without a few uh mishaps because he he's not used to his new body yet he flings himself into a bridal shop window yeah but he's not exactly like a baby deer trying to walk either oh i know <laughs> i know but it's yes. it's it's important and you know it's it's one of the things i think the the marvel films do well you know a lot of a lot of films do but i think the marvel ones do very well is you have those moments of levity like you know multiple characters just got shot here you know like the Mm -hmm. the doctor that we've got to know he just got shot steve is is you know learning sort of his new powers and let's make him not be able to make a turn correctly and he flings himself through a window (laughs) yeah that was actually that was good because the one thing about these marvel movies is they do have the uh like the comedic relief and that's needed for some of these movies and that's what keeps them comic booky too because not like certain comic books yeah they're serious true and true but most of them have like a uh, fun aspect to him and i think that's what the comedy like him flying through the window like that that was supposed to be like <laughs> look at he's an idiot type of thing but um so then he catches the dude the dude bites a cyanide tablet so then they're like all right we need to get captain america out there they send him overseas to the war but he was just essentially a face for people to rally behind he wasn't fighting he was just doing like these um they weren't uso shows back then were they uh because that's yeah. essentially what it was yeah well they had him doing the bonds at first here in the yeah. in the states because to tommy lee jones basically in his opinion there was supposed to be more guys you right. know and it's it's very much like we we alluded to or we you know we said about the the comparison to um uh, the Incredible Hulk earlier, and that's one of the the main aspects of that 2008 Ed Norton uh, version of the Incredible Hulk is Ed Norton is very, you know, and it's you know mild mannered Bruce Banner like that's sort of the the thing, but he is very mild mannered and and um, Tim Roth's character 
is like he wants to be better you know he's sort of aging out of being a soldier and you know he's like oh my you know brain with the brawn of you know me 20 you know 10 20 years ago or whatever would be amazing and i believe stanley tucci uh, who plays the doctor in this film even says at one point the fact that the serum goes with what the person is so a good person will use the serum for good basically and that's you know it's very much the comparison between cap and red skull later on in the in the film but to tommy lee jones uh uh steve rogers doesn't necessarily he didn't have what it what it took before so him by himself isn't he's, he's no good to him essentially yeah and so he goes on to do these these like you said basically uso type shows like like propaganda sort of stuff where they would have like a bunch of hot girls in like 1940 skimpy outfits and captain america would punch hitler in the face essentially is that's what all these things were what do you okay so to me and i'm not gonna lie this is sort of where i become a little uh glossy-eyed i guess during the during the film to me at least this is sort of where i not lose mm-hmm. interest but i'm just like because obviously it's i've seen lull. it what's that it's a lull every movie has a lull at some point this is the lull in the movie where it's just like it's not dragging but it's not catching your interest yeah because like granted i don't know i didn't know much about the comics or anything but like i know that's not what what captain america's purpose is i know that that's it's obviously that's not going to be the end of him and I know it's not even close to the movie being over. So like there was excitement, excitement, excitement of him being small, him having that that smart ass moment of getting that that flag or whatever. And then, you know, he just had this this fantastic thing of, you know, now he's a super soldier or whatever. And then there's like this good I don't even I didn't time it how long it is. But this like you said, this lull of oh, he's selling bonds now. And there's the yep. part of me that I enjoy it. It's funny for what it is. And like when, even when he, you know, like the kids are there and they're just like, look behind you. Cause there's, you know, a guy dressed as Hitler or whatever. And then even when he goes over, like the fact that all the soldiers don't pay him any mind because he's nothing to them. They're actually there on the front lines doing everything. And he's a guy in a goofy suit. And I'm just sitting there going, Okay, can we move on to the next part of this? Because you sort of you just know that there's obviously going to be more. Yeah. Um, so the whole him punching Hitler in the face, that was um, a nod to Captain America number one. Captain yeah. America number one, is, it, the cover of it is him punching Hitler in the face. So I understand why they put it in the movie. Oh, well, I like the fact that they actually showed that, like, too. Like, the fact that kids were reading that comic book. Yep. Yeah, so it was that was pretty cool. Like, I understand why they did it, but it was just like, I'm on the same page as you. Like, I want to get into, like, Captain America being Captain America. Like, he's a super soldier, and you're using the dude to sell bonds. You couldn't just get a model to do that? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, even, you know, it's not just – it's not the fact that 
he's not doing like action. Like there's even the scene, I know we're not there yet, but there's even that scene where uh, Natalie Dormer is there and like they kiss and whatever. And then there's just like that tension because Peggy comes in and whatever. Like even that to me is more interesting because it's at least something. It's a character moment or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I get there's the whole thing of he clearly, like he's nervous at first and then he gets into it and then he, you know, sees the soldiers and he realizes, okay, wait, I maybe got a little too comfortable. I want to actually do something with this and whatever. I understand that we need all of those moments. It just seemed to go on a little too long for my liking. Yeah, I agree with you. But then it led to, you know, him being overseas and then overhearing that um, this one uh, platoon is going to be shit out of luck because they got caught. And so Cap had to go save him. And lo and behold, his best friend, James Buchanan, Bucky Rogers, is one of the ones. Barnes. Barnes. Why did I say Rogers? I'm an idiot. Barnes. <laughs> Forgive me, audience. So, well, if I'm not mistaken, I know he like he knew it was the the 107th or whatever. Like he knew yep. that was that was Bucky's thing. But isn't that the one that he wanted to be in because his father was in that same platoon? I, be- I believe so. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's because that was something he he mentioned at the beginning. That's why I think that's why it was kind of like the fact that the fact that uh, Bucky got in there. It was sort of like, oh, that was supposed to be my thing. Yeah. So after he hears that the 107th is in trouble, he gets a, a, a couple people to come with him. They go break into a Hydra base. And then this is when you get the first real action of Captain America being Captain America. He's running around. He's beating dudes up. He's uh, saving all the guys. And then he has to go looking for Bucky. He finds Bucky in this room where it looks like the dude's being get, uh, like either tortured or experimented on. And you find out in later movies what happened. Um, and so then he saves him, and then he has his first encounter with Johann Schmidt, the Red Skull, where Johann Schmidt, up until this point, looks like a normal person. He takes off this like mask that he has on that's super realistic and sticks to his face somehow. And he's this Red Skull, you know, looks just like the Red Skull in the comics. And uh, they have like a, a quick little banter between each other. Long story short, Red Skull gets away because it's not the climax of the movie, obviously. Oh wait, so wait, wait. Gr- we we may we may have skipped over one thing. I believe uh when we we alluded to it before, but the fact that um we see Red Skull uh kind of getting um a tongue lashing by some of Hitler's top guys yeah. at one yeah, point. Yeah, they're like you because essentially what they were saying was you guys were supposed to be producing um I think they were supposed to be doing like arms and ammunition essentially for the Nazis. And then he went to do his like quote unquote passion project, which is finding the Tesseract and invaded Norway without Hitler's okay and stuff like that. So, and then this is at the point where Red Skull doesn't really care about the Nazis anymore. He's got his own thing with Hydra. Yeah. Cause he, he flat out like, cause they, one of them notices that because uh, he says something about my enemies versus our enemies or something and one of them notices that berlin is on the map of things that he's going to take down and then he yeah like disintegrates them basically <laughs> yeah because he has the power of the tesseract and obviously the tesseract is a very strong thing it's a cosmic cube so red skull gets away but his little scientist arnon zola does not he gets captured um 
So then they come back to base. Steve Rogers is a hero. You know, um, you can tell Bucky's not used to playing second fiddle to Steve. I'm not going to go into too much detail on other stuff that happened then. They interrogate Zola. They find out where, like, the next Hydra move is going to be. So then um, Steve has to put together a crew, take some dudes from the 107, with some actually some pretty good actors were part of that. Um, you got uh, Neil McDonough and then uh, what's the one dude's name? Uh, Derek Luke. I know Derek Luke from uh, Friday Night Lights, the movie. He plays uh, Booby Miles in that for any of you sports fans out there. And then Neil McDonough is a very good character actor. Um, so then they get a Kenneth, couple of those dudes. Wait, really and quick. Ch- uh, you, yep. Kenneth. Yep. Chow, I believe. Yep, Choi. 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 Yeah, he's I I you know he's uh, a good character actor as well, and they make a really good. It's an incredibly quick reference, but they make a really good sort of point of, um, because you know he's he's Asian American, and you know that was not especially in World War II. You know, even here in in the states, we did not treat everybody so good. You know, we had internment camps and and things like that and the fact that he's you know has to make it a point to say i was born in what do you say he says fresno i believe yeah you know so like he's you know he's one of the good guys he's on our side or whatever and that's that's to me i love the fact that that's the only reference to it that they ever make like i'm sure probably in the comics it was a bigger thing for that character and and whatever you know as part of the the howling commandos as they they end up being yep. called but um i just like the fact that in this for better or worse better in my opinion it's just he's on our side and we don't we don't question it we don't talk about it anymore yep uh and Kenneth Choi has one of those distinct pleasures of playing two different people in the MCU um not to get off on a tangent, but in Spider-Man Homecoming, he plays a character in that, too. Um, he winds up playing the principal at Peter Parker's school. I'm sorry if I'm taking away thunder from someone when you get to that movie, but he plays his grandson. Okay. Well, okay, so speaking of that, then, let's let's go back uh, a quick second. There's a moment, and it just seems like almost a nothing moment, but there is a moment where a blonde, not Natalie Dormer, but another another blonde comes up to Steve Rogers at one point when he's doing the whole Bonds thing and asks, I think, for his autograph or whatever. That's Laura Haddock, and she's very good. Um, I, I think she's English. I'll just say European actress. Um and uh, she ends up playing uh, Quill's mother in Guardians of the yep. Galaxy. And I guess the question was, because people were just like, oh, is it the same character or whatever? And I believe James Gunn, who directed <coughs> Guardians, made the comment like, oh, no, it's just it's Quill's grandmother. Like, just as a joke, because realistically, it was just, no, we just cast her again. It wasn't supposed to be the same person. You weren't necessarily supposed to recognize her. It was because that's just like a quick almost walk on part in this movie, but then it becomes, you know, Oh, well she looks just like this. And you know, the, the super fans want to make a connection between every little, you know, minute detail. So then I believe it was James Gunn who was just like, oh, this is grandmother. Let's just go with that. That's why they look so much alike. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, so yeah, they get the howling commandos together. They go attack this train 
and on the train they got some like hydra weapons that have the power of the tesseract with them and it's a bad fight it ends up that uh part of the train gets blown off on the side and bucky falls out of the train you know to his apparent death which sucks because steve's heartbroken that's his that's his homeboy um so now they need to Steve's like all right this is it we gotta take this we gotta take them down so then they just go straight to Schmidt's home base, and they make the joke like, "What are we gonna do? We're not just gonna be able to knock on the door." And then Steve Rogers like, "That's exactly what we're gonna do," and he goes in like, pretty much all by himself. It seems like on a one man mission on his motorcycle, takes out a few people, then gets captured. Then the Helen Commandos come in to rescue him from being killed. He uh, then Johann Schmidt tries to get away with all these bombs that have like. Of course, the cities that the bombs are going to are written on the bombs, so you don't need to find out which ones they're going to. Like, New York's on there. I think London had one. Berlin. Was it it just me, or did it almost seem, and I'm not, obviously we know Steve Rogers isn't this type of person or whatever, but I I almost felt like the the way the music kind of swelled in that moment, because it was like, like you said, like it was Berlin, it was, I think Boston was one, maybe London, whatever. And then we see New York and it's almost like in that moment, he just was like, oh no, my home. Now I need to do something. Like, obviously he was going to do something before, but it seemed to really like finally yeah. mean something to him now. And I'm just like, that's, that's not right. You know? <laughs> Well, yeah, he's just a kid from Queens, you know? He just but wants just, to save his home. But, like, there's, like, three or four others that have, like, major yeah. cities on them. Okay. But when well, it's the it. New York from... one, now it means... And I get it. You're from New York, so you're biased, too. But, you know... But, no, here's, here's the thing, Paul. You're not a big sports guy. But, you know, he's probably... He's from New York. He's from Queens. So, at the time, he's probably a Yankees fan. And the Red Sox are from Boston. So, he's probably like, eh, who cares about Boston? Oh, you know? my goodness. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, but um, it, but it's just like the way the music played and the no, way sort of his face was, it was like, okay, now it means something. It's like, no, the fact that there's bombs for cities should mean something. Yeah. So once he finds the bombs, he goes, finds, you know, on Schmidt, they get into a, a little fight with each other. He throws his shield at him. By the way, the shield made by Howard Stark, Stark from, from Vibranium, which if you watch MCU movies, no, you, it comes from Wakanda. And uh, <clears throat> not what it's made so then, of in the comics. No, it's made out of uh, animantium. Yep. Right. The stuff that goes in Wolverine. But because of licensing issues, they couldn't use that for this because Fox owned the X-Men at the time. So then the cube opens up a portal while they're fighting and it pulls Johann Schmidt through. So you don't see Schmidt die, the Red Skull. You just see him get pulled through this thing. And so something got damaged on the plane. And so Steve can't like turn around or anything like that. So the only thing he could do is to crash the plane into the ground to stop all these bombs from getting sent out. Then they have like this emotional thing between him and Peggy because, you know, they kind of like had this, they didn't like hook up or anything like that, but they had this emotional connection to each other where like they were destined to be together. They did kiss. They did, right before Tommy Lee Jones specifically says that he's not going to kiss him. I mean, in the moment, I mean, I'm not in the dudes, but if Chris Evans told me to kiss him, I probably would. Just throwing that out there. So, he crashes the plane into the ground. Then we flash forward to present day, 
and you have Steve Rogers waking up in a room where he's hearing like a baseball game being played on and someone comes in to check on him. They're trying to pretend like it's still in the 1940s, but he's like, this game is from 1941. I would know I was there. Also, yo, S.H.I.E.L.D., how do you not know that? You know everything, but how do you not know that this game is from before he became Captain America that you're playing? I don't I don't get how Maybe they mess they, up like that. I don't know. They could have played that game for me, and I wouldn't know because I'm not a sports guy. Yeah, but like... I don't know. I feel like if you're going to play a recording of a game, probably choose it like bef- like years after he became Captain America, not before he became Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when he turned into Captain America. Well, yeah, but, but like, but, but OK, so the only two people that would have known him even slightly that kind of stuck. I mean, we talk about it in a little bit, but that sort of stuck around with S.H.I.E.L.D. would be Peggy and Howard Stark. So neither of them necessarily knew. Oh, okay. Well, we know he went to this game. So. Oh no, that's not what I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you know, it had been documented when they did the Super Soldier Serum on him to turn him into Captain America. So if I'm choosing a recording of a game, I'm choosing it after that date. Well, I'm j- let me let me just say, as uh, like I said, not a sports guy. They could put on if I was waking up out of like a you know a coma or whatever. They could put on almost any Super Bowl, TV or radio, and chances are I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be able to tell you what year it was from. The Super Bowl is pretty popular. I wa- I tend to watch the Super Bowl most years, so like I in theory should know, <laughs> but I wouldn't have any idea. Paul, who was in this past Super Bowl? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I love it, Paul. Anyway, so then he's like, "This I was at this game, so you guys are lying to me. He thinks it's It wasn't the Carolina a- Panthers, right? That was like two years ago? That was a couple of years ago. Okay. That was like five. But uh, so <laughs> now you're making me forget who is in the Super Bowl. And I am a sports chances guy. are I could I could tell I could say chances are it was well no I know for a fact it wasn't the Steelers this time I know that no, one for it, a fact it, it's not the Steelers or the Patriots because I was gonna say I, my my chances would be pretty high if I said either of those two teams no it was Chiefs versus 49ers um but yeah so then he thinks he's in like a high being held hostage by Hydra so he breaks out breaks out of like the facility and then he runs and he's in the middle of Times Square that's where this base leads out to is smack dab in the middle of Times Square. And then Samuel L. Jackson's character, Nick Fury, shows up and says, you've been asleep for a long time, Cap. You've been asleep for almost 70 years. And then cut to black. Am I going over post credit scenes now? I or mean, are we doing yeah, that it's funny because I went to watch it and I don't know. Uh, for most of these, I've been watching them on Disney Plus. That's where and, I watched it. Okay, so, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how you did, but I, and I don't know how, you know, if anybody else is following along, I don't know how they necessarily watch it, whether they have it or if it's Disney Plus or whatever. One of the things I don't like about Disney Plus is they minimize the screen because they want you to click on the next movie. They own Marvel. They produce Marvel. They should know... Keep it full screen so that we all can watch the post credit scene, not have to make it full screen again. Yeah, but if you hit over on your directional pad, whatever you're on, you can then select it again and it pops up full screen again. It's just, it bugs me. I've noticed <laughs> that the last few times I've been watching these films. Yeah, no. So post credit scene, uh, 
you see Steve Rogers punching a punching bag. Nick Fury's work walking in and he's like, You with admission, sir. You try to give it back in the world again. He's like, No, nah, I'm trying to get you to save it. And then it cuts to a trailer for the Avengers movie. That's weird to watch now. Because it's so like next summer with big lettering popping up and stuff like that. It's just so it's not cringy, but it's just like trailers have come such a long way since this. But I remember when this trailer came out, everyone was so hyped to see it. Like well, it has the most views on YouTube, I think, ever I in history like, when it first came out. I feel like this is also the only time that the post credit scene in any of these, even like I believe Marvel, like when like Spider-Man with Sony, like before they got hooked back up with the MCU and like even X-Men, I'm like fairly certain they did post credit scenes and stuff as well. I don't think there was ever one that was almost a, I mean, there's that brief little scene in, you know, of him in the, you know, uh, with the punching bag, but like 90% of this post credit scene is a trailer. I think that's the only time they've ever done that. Yeah, no, that I hundred uh, percent. That's the only time they've ever done that. But I loved it. I, I remember seeing it in theaters being like, "Oh, sick!" There's a preview after the movie. I was so excited for it. And then it's a preview for the Avengers movie where they revealed that Loki's going to be the villain for it. So people were hyped because Loki's a quintessential Avengers villain, not just one for Thor. So it's like it started that whole Captain America will return that they put at the end of all their movies now. So that's that's the plot for Captain America, and it only took me forty minutes to do. Um, I mean, we talked about some some casting choices. Um, you know, I I have fun facts about the casting choices. Okay. Uh, wait, I'm just trying to think of if there's anything else. Well, I'll ask you a bit later. All right, what do you got? These are this is something in uh in sort of a mini series we're doing on, on Paul and all of going through the, the saw films you had, uh, you introduced a new segment called like Tim's tidbits or something. Is that what this uh-huh. is? Uh, these are Tim tidbits. Okay. So this is, these are all centered around essentially the casting of Steve Rogers and what they went through. Um, so I'll start with the one that I just found out reading through this. They had a bunch of people read for the role, but one of them, and I'm so glad they didn't get it, was Dane Cook. What? Ew. I don't know if you heard my roommate in the background with his what. But yeah, I'm on IMDb, and Dane Cook was one of the people that read for the movie. Oh, my God. So yeah, that's I'm so happy that didn't come to fruition. So now, then they had a list. They had a short list of people that they wanted for the movie. Um, a couple, one of the big names that popped up was super controversial because at the time they didn't have any big names for it except for this one big name, and that was Will Smith. They wanted Will Smith for the role, and I think they were going to go with a different route other than Steve Rogers at the time for it. They were probably going to go with the um, Sam Wilson Captain America when the Falcon becomes Captain America and stuff like that because that's the first time an African-American becomes Captain America. But him and Sam Worthington were originally in talks where Sam Worthington was coming off of uh, Clash of the Titans, I believe, at the time, and then Avatar. So he was a big name at the time. But then you had other ones that they wanted for, like Garrett Hedlund, Channing Tatum. Sebastian Stan actually read for the role also, but they decided he was a better fit as Bucky, just like um, Tom Hiddleston read for Thor, but they thought he'd be better suited for Loki. Yeah. Um. And then one of my personal favorite actors, John Krasinski, read for the role too. I saw that, and I was gonna, I was gonna 
uh, say about that. Personally, I think 2010 John Krasinski, I don't know what year of The Office that would have been. I don't necessarily think he would have been right. I think, like, he's, he's, I believe, Jack Ryan as of this recording, and, like, he's, you know, super buff and whatever. I feel like he kind of needed to, because how would they have explained it on The Office? Jim the 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 you know every man suddenly got like super buff or whatever i i would not necessarily i mean i don't think he would have done a bad job with it but i i just think of it from that other side of how would it have been done with the office and i'm not into that yeah no uh but just to go off at that point when they cast uh, chris pratt for star lord for Guardians of the Galaxy, he was in the middle of his run of Parks and Rec, where he's this fat. Oh, dude. I know. I actually, I just got done with a Parks and Rec rewatch not too long ago, and they make one reference to it. It's very funny. He says that he stopped drinking beer, but generally, I didn't like that either, to be honest. Yeah, so I'm assuming that's what they would have done on the office if Krasinski got the role. But eventually, they offered the role to Chris Evans three times before he accepted it. They really wanted him bad after reading for it. And the person that convinced him to do it was Robert Downey Jr. himself. So you got Iron Man telling you to do the role. Um, yeah, I'm going to do the role. You know, he also, he because uh, at the time, Chris Evans, he was known for uh, not another teen movie. And he was like, you said on the Fantastic Four, both of those movies. So he didn't want to essentially get typecasted as like a hero because of this doing fantastic for than doing this he didn't think he'd be right for it but and like you said if it's good it's bad if it's bad it's bad or whatever you what like what you said before yeah but once robbie Downey jr talked to him he got all the confidence and he said all right i'll step up to plate for this one i mean those are my it worked my out tidbits. but it did he's i can't picture anyone else doing captain america right now no no the other, the, oh. one of the only other thing, like casting wise, um, you know, we referenced Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter does a fantastic job. One of the things that she specifically said was uh, she kind of thought of it like Ginger Rogers, who I believe is the the quote, which is I, you know, I can do everything that the men can do, but backwards and in heels, and that's yeah. sort of how Haley Atwell uh, said Peggy Carter is, and I would completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, agreed. She can. Um, two more Tim tidbits. Sorry, I wasn't done. I just remembered. Chris Evans only got paid three hundred k for this episode for this movie. If you think about it now, Robert Downey Jr. got paid twenty. I think actually Scarlett Johansson got paid twenty five for Avengers Endgame or something like that. So it, these actors have come a long way since the beginning of these movies where they weren't getting paid as much. 300K, I know it sounds a lot to like people like you and me, but for an actor being a title role in a potential blockbuster, it's not a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then the last Tim tidbit that I'll say, originally in the script, they wanted to have two cameo appearances from two specific X-Men because they were present during World War II. So you have Magneto was a kid at a concentration camp, and that's part of his backstory. So they wanted to have that cameo in there, and they also wanted to have James Logan Howlett Wolverine in it because he was actually in the military during World War II because he doesn't age because of the, uh, uh, the mutant gene in him. So they wanted those two, but because Fox owned the rights, they had to scrap those cameos. That would have been fucking sick. <laughs> well, yeah, speaking, that would have, 
that would have been fucking awesome. You're right, buddy. <laughs> that would have been great. Well, speaking of cameos, of course, and I've I've referenced it on on all the episodes of this. I believe all the episodes of this that I've done so far. Uh, Stanley, of course, makes a cameo yep. appearance as he does in pretty much every uh, Marvel production. And of course, the interesting thing being, he didn't create this character. Unlike most of the other characters, he didn't have a hand in creating um, Captain America that was around long before he, you know, sort of took over you know marvel but he did sort of revitalize the character for anybody who's not aware um stan lee and i've said it in some of the previous ones he sort of you know kind of came up with this whole concept of the the shared universe between the the characters in the comics and because captain america in the comics had sort of faded out from popularity you know after world war ii and, and things um Stan Lee decided, I I believe, uh, not Jack Kirby, uh, Joe Simon, I believe is, is the other guy, uh, one of the actual creators, um, who may have still been doing art. I don't, I don't quite remember how that goes. Um, but they, uh, they decided to sort of bring a character that Marvel had done that being, um, Captain America when they was like timely comics or something like that. Um, they decided to sort of bring him back. And that's sort of where this whole concept of he was frozen in time comes from. That's why he's the same age and whatever, even though the Captain America comics of world war two were, you know, 30 years prior or whatever, 20 years prior, they decided to have him frozen in the Arctic. And then he, uh, you know, he, he shows up in the present. And so that kind of lends to this, this film as well. So Stan Lee sort of revitalized the character and because, you know, being the godfather of, of all things, Marvel uh, appears as a general here, appears uh, multiple times throughout the MCU. One of the main questions I wanted to ask you, Tim, and I, like I said, I've talked about this with most of the other guests. Um, Stan Lee has of course, since passed away one film, I believe uh, that being the latest Spider-Man has come out without a Stanley cameo in it. What do you think about the concept of Stanley cameos going forward? Uh, one of the things I, I hear people say is there should be he because they they think he should be featured somehow, whether it be you know on a billboard or like missing posters or things like that. And some people have even suggested. They have the technology, Disney, to do even like they do or have done with Carrie Fisher in Star Wars, sort of recreate and bring him, quote unquote, back to life. What do you think they should do? Should they should they let him be? Should they include, you know, him somehow as, you know, as like a tribute in future things? What do you what do you think about Stan Lee cameos going forward? So I have two things that I would like for them to do with Sammy cameos. I don't think they should do the CGI. I think they should just be like the posters on like a wall behind them or like you're walking like into a police station and he's like a former chief or something like that. And his picture's up on the wall. Um, but the other thing is, you know, how in the beginning of MCU movies now they have like the Marvel logo pop up and in the letters they have clips from the different movies. I think that those clips should be changed to all the Stanley cameos. I believe was it with they Sp did they did that right yeah but then they changed it back I think they should just keep it as just the Stanley cameos okay and that should be their their homage to them for the rest of the MCU however long that lasts that Marvel logo in the beginning should only be showing Stanley cameos that's okay. what I think I'm not opposed to that 
at least for a little while. I'm, I don't know about like forever because presumably these th- this whole franchise is going to continue for a very, very long time. Um, so I don't know about necessarily forever, but I could see doing it like they did the the 10 when it was Mar, you know, it's Marvel Studios and they changed the I and the O in studios to the number 10. And they did that for like two years or something, even though it was you know, obviously longer than, than 10 years. Uh, by that point, they were into like the 11th or 12th year. But I definitely feel like they could do that probably for a good two, maybe three years, especially if they're only doing, you know, X number of films per year. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions that I wanted to uh, sort of ask you is, so in this, we obviously were introduced to Peggy Carter. We're introduced to young Howard Stark, that being uh, the Dominic Cooper role, the plane that, uh, and you know, obviously the Howling Commandos and and so on. But there's even the the plane that um, uh, Red Skull is in, and uh, uh, Cap goes down in, and a lot of those things are later referenced in the TV side of things. The plane is a seems to be a very early version of the Quinjet often featured in agents of shield. And then obviously uh, Peggy Carter and the howling commandos make appearances on both agents of shield. And um, obviously uh, the agent Carter series. You into those? Uh, no, I gave agents of shield a shot and I don't know what it was. I just couldn't get into it. Okay, and I, mean, I honestly, I got to ask the question. How, how far did you watch into it? halfway through the first season okay did you get to after cap two no okay no i didn't and i heard that's when it really like hit its stride i i just it just wasn't uh i just didn't have to want to invest the time into a show at the time and that's i've honestly never watched an episode of agent carter either okay but so i can't say if i like it or not i just never gave it a fair share I like the MCU as the movies. I like that they did canon and stuff based off of the TV shows and stuff like that, but I just prefer the movie side of it. Okay. Well, let me just say, in my opinion, as someone who's seen the the series, in my opinion, they're very good. Definitely, you know, you want your your fill of, of Haley Atwell, Obviously, Agent Carter is the way to go, and there's, she makes a few appearances in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Uh, to me, you know, you know, not to get too spoilery, but definitely after Cap 2, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. picks up because there was clearly something that they couldn't talk about for, like, the entire, like, uh, first, you know, half of the or you know the majority of the season they knew something that they obviously couldn't uh talk about too much on the show and then the show definitely picks up especially in some of the later seasons in my opinion maybe uh maybe this podcast will be your reason to go back and uh, watch some of those shows yeah no i'll definitely look into it they're all on disney plus so um but that's really all, like I said, the, the plane, you know, as, as the sort of the Quinjet, which is, you know, becomes a, a very big thing on there. That was something that I noticed. Like I said, the, that was sort of the reason that I got into the MCU was the concept of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. So I always like to see sort of the little, the little nods here and there, because even the, that series, like, references things that happen in the film, like, like after the, the second uh, Thor film. 
there's like the very opening scene of the the first episode that came out after that there they are there like cleaning up the mess or something you know like there's mm-hmm. very obvious ties so and i'm i'm a i'm a completist in a lot of ways so like i very much love the fact that all of these things seemingly blend right into each other but that's just me yeah no i get it i i understand why people like the shows and stuff like that like i said it's just i didn't want to invest all that time into another tv series i don't remember what i was watching at the time but it was just like it it was a lot <laughs> and i couldn't no, keep up with it no it, it it definitely is and like i know part of part of my thing and you know obviously it'll get talked about a little a little later in the in the podcast series but one of my biggest things was i don't always go to see films like the day they come out or even the weekend they come out i might go like my local theater does um you know tuesday five dollar all day things or whatever so like i may wait until tuesday or maybe you know depending on the day that i have off of work or something um the first movie of the day is always like five fifty or six dollars so like i may go over around noon on a wednesday or something to go see the movie because most everybody has gone and seen it by that point so i'll just sort of stay off the internet you know for a few days so then i'll go see the movie but then i'll also have to wait and be like okay I know they're going to reference something on, you know, let's just say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. So I have to, like, not watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for, you know, maybe almost a week as well, just because I know that they're going to make a reference to the movie that came out that I hadn't seen yet. So I was like, yeah, that's a little difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, see, for me, for going to see the movies, I honestly don't care about spoilers. Like, if I read about a spoiler on the movie, it's like, oh, OK, I still want to see it happened on the screen like you can explain it all you want in text but it's still not going to do what the movie does for me so i don't have a problem with spoilers but i still usually see these movies opening weekend i mean like i said i'll I'll try to go you know on the tuesday after opening but i i I don't find myself the fact that i and I, i mentioned this actually for a few of these uh episodes now the fact that i leave the house at all is you know to go see a a film is pretty much a a big thing like pretty much if it's a star wars film star trek when they were putting those out and the marvel movies movies. like that's pretty much it like unless i'm going on a date or you know if if, you know somebody wants to hang out and be like oh let's go to a movie or something for the most part you don't get me to leave my house to go see a movie because not that many things come out to me that are worth leaving the house for i'll wait you know, even if I have to wait maybe a year or two until it's on, you know, a Netflix or a Disney Plus or whatever, I- I'm willing to wait because it's it takes a lot for me to be like, yeah, you know what, I actually will leave the house to go, you know, spend, even if it's the cheap, you know, $5 movie, it's still going to take a lot for me to leave the house to willingly spend that $5 to go see it. All right, that, that's fair. Um trying to think if there's anything else we want to uh cover here with uh captain america the first avenger do we have anything else in particular no it's it's i wasn't the so i wasn't the biggest fan of this movie when it first came out i'm not saying it was a bad movie but i compared everything at the time to iron man one and iron man one still holds true as a top five marvel movie for me so after rewatching it again a few times, I've started to like the movie 
even more, but I thought it was one of the weaker ones of Phase 1. But now it's coming out as one of the stronger ones. Because for Phase 1, it's Avengers, Iron Man 1, then Cap, for me in that order. But uh, it's a if you haven't seen it yet, it's a... It's one of the movies that you can watch out of the chronological order of when they were made and be perfectly okay. Okay, so that brings up to like I like see I I like Thor probably the best out of all the Phase 1 movies. Um that's Thor is probably my favorite one. Um but okay, so let me ask you that. What are your thoughts on like this I'm doing these in the order that they were released. What do you do you ever do you ever do if you're doing a rewatch do you ever do uh you know chronological or do you always do like release I usually do release and that holds true for other series too like Star Wars I do it in uh release order most of the time I will do it every once in a while Star Wars in chronological order but I've never done the MCU in chronological order it's always in release order Yeah same here because if you're not if you're gonna do it in chronological order, all you're changing up is moving Captain America one to the front. If you're talking about Phase One, everything else then falls in order after that. Yeah. So it's not really changing it up too much. But if this is a movie like I would say, if you've never watched a movie in the MCU at all, which if you have at this point, good for you because the MCU started in what 2008 with Iron Man one. Yeah. We're Seven. twelve. Years no, it was eight. Yeah, sorry, it was eight. It was eight? Okay. So we're talking 13 years later and you still haven't watched a movie? You can start with Captain America the First Avenger and not have anything spoiled for you. Well, yeah, because it's very much, like we said, it's very much a prequel. Um, like I said, to me, I think I think Thor would not necessarily like, oh, that one, but like I very much, I think Thor is, you know, sort of a, a standalone thing as well. Just like because yeah. there's, you know, a few references to to shield in it, but for the most part, it's very much sort of its own thing because they had to sort of blend the whole science and magic elements of the of the MCU. And, you know, personally, yeah. I think they did a good job, just like I think this one did a fantastic job of blending sort of the sci fi and, you know, war elements together, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, and the Captain America films in general, like uh, when you go to do the Winter Soldier, that movie, I always tell people if you watch that movie and take Captain America out of it and just call it the Winter Soldier, it's an excellent spy thriller movie. The Captain America movies themselves have always done a good job of taking two genres and molding them together to make a good film. Like this took sci-fi and comic and put it together and made a good film. Winter Soldier takes sci-fi and spy thriller and makes one of is probably a top three movie for me in um <clears throat> winter soldier for mcu movies they just do a great job of it for cap because it's cap is i don't want to say vanilla but he's like the most ordinary i guess of all of the major hitters in the avengers so it's easy he can be moved around in different genres because he's not tied into a specific genre, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like Thor, he's cosmic. So you're going to have like the fantasy element no matter what you do with Thor. Iron Man, you're always going to have that science element to it because of his suit. Captain America, after the Super Soldier Serum, he's just a really – he's just a normal dude. 
you know, so that's he's it's easier to mold him. Yeah. Oh yeah, move. absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I did want to make mention of, um, especially for those of you like the two of us who have uh, Disney Plus, this was directed by a guy named Joe Johnston who did a film back in uh, the early '90s, I believe, called The Rocketeer which I'm 99% sure is available on Disney Plus if any of you haven't watched that it's a it's a very good superhero but not a superhero film um so it's it doesn't have anything to do with Marvel or anything like that but uh, I would I would very much I think Billy Zane is in it so there's another plus in my opinion um very good movie but uh yeah he also Joe Johnston worked uh on I believe special effects for the original Star Wars trilogy and things like that so um yeah, he uh, definitely gets a, a thumbs up from me. And um, the two guys who are the writers on this, uh, not only did they go on to do, uh, like I said, I believe they had a hand in the Agent Carter series, things like that, but they're pretty much the sort of the go-to writers for almost all things um, MCU now, in addition to um, the the Russo brothers, who are like the directors. Um, I believe these two are like sort of the go-to writers for a lot of your major things. Like when Joss Whedon came in for the Avengers, he sort of rewrote, he rewrote a little bit of this movie. He rewrote a little bit of Thor, you know, he directed a few things here or there or whatever. And then he sort of had that whole thing for most of phase two as well. He sort of helped oversee a lot of it because he did um, the second Avengers as well. But then these two guys who are the writers on this sort of uh, moved into that spot when he left of being the, you know, doing the, the touch-ups on all the scripts and, you know, doing the, the major crossover films and, and things like that. So very uh, interesting production-wise, in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, God, I love the Russo brothers, by the way. <laughs> what was that? They just I, – I love the Russo brothers. Oh, I the mean, movies, yeah. the MCU movies the Russo brothers have made are outstanding films. Not to say Joss Whedon's haven't been, but I think they've been the best directors out of all the MCU directors. Oh, I can't necessarily disagree. They, and I mean, they, I think part of it is because they got their start in television. They used to work on community. So they understand this whole concept of other people work on all of these things and we can kind of oversee it a bit, which is very much. And I I referenced this uh, in some of the previous podcasts about the fact that, you know, these are, It's funny because you said about, you know, not wanting to necessarily get into a TV series, but these are very much almost like a TV series, all the way that these these films sort of connect. It's like these are all episodes. And then like the each Avengers is almost like the season finale of of each thing that came before. Yeah, like it's very hard to watch any of these MCU quote unquote standalone movies nowadays without referencing another Marvel movie. So it's it's very hard to get into the movies now with a standalone movie and not have seen other things because you're not going to get some of the stuff. Right. But like we said, I, I, I think a lot of them like this one. I mean, granted, this is an early one, but I think this one, you know, and, and a few others do a, a pretty good job of having those references, but still being their own movie. Now, if you go with like a Thor sequel or even a Captain America sequel, it might be a little bit different, but like when the first Guardians came out, you know, I think that one did enough with like, oh, there's references to the greater Marvel universe, 
but if you watch it by itself, it's still like Ant-Man, same thing. Like there's references to the greater Marvel, whatever, but it still does a really good job of being, you know, its own thing. But, but I, like I said, and that's one of the things, like I said, I'm a completist, so I very much like that. Like even with, you know, I don't want to say too much because of, you know, how not sure how people are going to be like listening to this and what they're going to be watching, what they're not going to be watching or what they have or haven't watched. But in one of the later Avengers films, there is one or two, like it's literally just a quick uh, cast member, but it is somebody from agent Carter. And I know people were like, yay, they, the movies actually referenced the TV shows for once. Cause they almost never did that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like the fact that there's it's just it's a it's a brief moment. And again, if you know, you know, and if not, you don't lose anything from from watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about you. I don't necessarily have anything else with regards to uh, this Captain America film. I've, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, it's been a, since the first time watching these through which would have been twenty thirteen maybe. So it's a it's really good and really fun to to go back. And I love getting, you know, different people's um opinions on on these different films. Yeah, no, I, I this was this was fun. It was fun watching it again. I haven't watched this movie from start to finish in a very long time. So it was nice being able to do that again. All right. Uh so if people want to contact you and talk about any of the other uh, MCU things or, you know, you referenced uh, your your Twitch at the beginning and, and you know, the other stuff, where can they uh, find you all across the Internet? So I'll repeat, it's uh, twitch.tv slash behemothpineapples, B-E-H-E-M-O-T-H, pineapples. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter. What is Twitter? Twitter at behemoth pineapple one so b-e-h-e-m-o-t-h-p-i-n-e-a-p one and then you can also hit me up on the instagram and my instagram handle is behemoth pineapples underscore ttv so shoot me a dm if you want to follow me cool shoot me a dm if you want to talk or anything like that i'll talk mcu i'll talk pretty much anything with you so just let me know of course for more on me Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can follow my second Instagram at JPCS.PICS. I use it to post pictures, daily things. A lot of people are telling me I'm using it almost like a diary sort of thing. So if you want to know what's going on in my life, you can check that out there. For more on us collectively, you can check out Clock Shelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Archives of this and all our other shows are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave a review. Maybe some star ratings, too. We love that. You may have gotten this episode early on Patreon. We have different tiers over there with different things you can unlock at the different tiers. That's where to go if you want to throw some dough, if you choose to do so. And if you've missed any of the stuff that I said here, all information and links can be found at the central hub, clockshelves.com. Once again, that's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S dot C-O-M. So yeah, that is the end for this episode of MCU and me. Uh, and 
Until next time, thanks for listening, true believers. So the music is over. This is sort of a post-credits scene, if you will, post-credits audio clip. And um, I am here to ask you a question, Tim, since you're still around here for a a few minutes. I have a question for you in this sort of post-credits moment. Oh, boy. I'm putting together a team. (gasps) Do you want to be in on the team? Yeah. The plan is to get everybody else from phase one to discuss the Avengers. I am 100% in. All right. wanted to get you on mic saying it and give people a little tease for uh, what's coming in MCU and me. Yes. Excited. <laughs>